Today's episode is brought to you by Slayhouse Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. We're all dancing, man. We're all dancing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for the after credit scene. Dance party. See, the song should be playing <laughs> really, right now, and I'm singing along with it. I'll yeah, singing to, along with it. I'll have to sync it up. We should, hey. uh, we should definitely get some yeah. some video for you. We should, yeah. Down show a white guy dancing. Yeah, that's I'll, put, right. I'll show yeah. you dancing. It's all shoulder dancing. I'll, I'll, like I'll a close-up of you dancing with your name at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. You know, And then a close-up yeah. of Jeremy with his name at the bottom. Yeah. It'll just be like just, a... And we game, and we game for the camera. Yeah. Like a 70s splash. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh. oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Slayhouse Publishing Presents. Hey, I got it right this time. Uh, lit Bits. <laughs> that might be the first time <laughs> that you've done it. I missed I it. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with, uh, this is Jeremy, I'm here with Trevor and Curtis, and we are talking to you today about some of the best and worst films that have come to us this fall 2021. Yeah, man. Man, and there have been some real humdingers, let me tell you. For better some or for worse. And some bad. Some hum and some dingers. Hum and dingers. <laughs> some hum and dingers. So, let's just jump right into it. Um, I didn't go see... Last night in Soho, but I I've did. heard it's last night in So So. Yeah, oh! I saw last night in Soho, last <laughs> night in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, no, it, it wasn't literally last night. Uh, yeah, is it I, even still in theaters? It is. Yeah, it's still there. Oh, okay. You could go see it tonight if you wanted. I could, or I can just go uh, see Ghostbusters again. Yeah, well, <laughs> between the two, I would probably go see Ghostbusters. Again. We're Which getting is weird ahead of because ourselves. they're both about ghosts, yeah. but like, well, I mean, Ghostbusters is not, let's be real, it's not really about ghosts, because those aren't really ghosts. Like, there's they're something completely, there's There's a ghost in it. Well, it. But they're not ghosts. Well, there's one ghost There's one, it. yeah. There's one ghost. Let's, well, we're jumping the gun, though. Let's not get to it just yeah, yet. all right. Last Night in Soho has That's ghosts That's how bad in Last it. Night actually... in Soho is that we want to talk about yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah, let's just talk about the other movie. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely on my mind. I don't know why. It, so, Edgar Wright directed this movie he has done a whole bunch of other stuff like and he helped write stuff. it with christy wilson cairns i keep wanting yeah. to pronounce her name um yeah i mean so edgar wright did uh Shaun of the dead he did hot fuzz he's done uh what the, the end of the world i think he did baby mm. driver most recently oh yeah so he's done some interesting movies but for some reason or another this movie just did not work for me for one thing, it's super repetitive. The story is about this girl played by Thomas and McKenzie who can like see ghosts from the past or something. And she begins living back through the life of another woman from the 60s uh, in Soho, right? In, in this like subdivision of London, um, played by Anya Taylor Joy, not the subdivision of London. But the subdivision woman. of London was played by Anya yeah, Taylor. You know, Joy, she's Joy. got range. Just, man, <laughs> I just stumbled through that. She's, got, she's range. got the range for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Like the streets, she's a little flat. Yeah. You know what kind of method acting she had to do to get that together? <laughs> right, right. Go lay down on a pothole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's all she did. She just stood very still the whole movie. Uh, no, it's 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 about uh, like Anya Taylor Joy in the past is like a, she wants to break out in so showbiz and uh, she's kind of wooed by Matt Smith who like turns her into a prostitute right and then uh, Thomas and McKenzie has to like 
through all of these traumatic experiences that Anya Taylor. Now the 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 IMBD said this also had OG um, General Zod from like yeah, Superman Terrence too. Yeah, Terrence Stamp is in there for about like twenty seconds of airtime. Okay, cool. I mean, he's he's there. So he's he top billing. He doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, no, I don't think he. I think Anya Taylor got top billing. She probably did. Um, yeah, Terrence Stamp is in there for just a little bit of time. He doesn't really have any weight on the plot. The plot meanders so hard. Diana Riggs is in here. Um, she was like my OG crush. Like <laughs> Diana Riggs from seeing her in her leather cat suit, Avengers. Oh the, yeah, okay, like okay, the, okay. The '60s British uh, okay I adventure follow. show. Yeah, right. Um, I was trying to place her. I couldn't. Yeah, holy shit. Uh, she was so fine. Now she's like a grandma. Oh, she was on uh, Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Oh, was she? Yeah. She was okay. the um the one who spoiler alert the one who poisoned uh, Joffrey. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Spoiling a movie, a TV show that ended yeah. like two she, or three years uh -huh. ago. Honestly, she's uh, <laughs> yeah. she's welcome fine to the club, Curtis. Yeah, no. You spoiled your first. Uh, old yeah. <laughs> my first spoiler alert. Yeah. She was. Uh, I don't know. She's she's fine in this movie. I like. The performances in in this movie, I think Thomas and McKenzie is way manic. Like she, <laughs> she she tilts from from being like I I understand her energy to being like really okay. Can you tone it back just a little <laughs> bit, please? Um, I've loved her in everything else I've seen. She was she was the teenager and old. Uh, oh yeah, you know, one of the teenagers anyway. That, Did you really love her in everything else uh, you've seen? Then I, I mean I don't love that movie. <laughs> But I think she did fine. Old she, yeah. is the primordial ooze that this podcast was yeah, forged that's right. in. Yeah. That's the, the first episode. Um, or as she, Jeremy she was, says, that fucking movie. Yeah, that fucking movie. <laughs> I'm still not over it. I'm still mad about that movie. Yeah. All that time I lost. Yeah. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie was also in Jojo Rabbit. Um, I loved her in that movie. Great. I, see, I really still want to see that. Seen. Yeah, I yeah. need to see that. Uh, you guys got to watch the Hitler movie. movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Slayhouse movie party. Is there's only Jojo one of Rabbit. those. Jojo only one Hitler movie. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I I don't know. I just forget I, you, Last I felt... Crusade. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Have I shared my Indiana Jones story on here before? I don't know. I don't Have you ever with Max McCoy, the author? Nope. I don't think so. Oh, share man. it. Share right, it. This, I, is, I a, this, this is, is a movie review. Aside. This is a movie review. So share it. Yeah. It's an aside. All right. So I went, to, uh, my, my undergrad was at Emporia State University. And one of the tenured professors there in creative writing is this guy named Matt McCoy or Max McCoy. Um, he wrote a bunch of novelizations of Indiana Jones. And like, like the expanded universe for Star Wars, mm -hmm. he did that for. Uh, Indiana Jones. Is he the only one who did that? He's no. There, there were there were a couple, but he's written several of them. Okay. Right? So, um, my professor at Emporia State University, she was like, I, in my intro to lit class, she was like, "Let's read. Uh, we're, we're going to read some genre work, and we're going to talk about <laughs> genre." And she was like, "I have this book here uh, that I want you to read. It's Indiana Jones and like the the Hollow Earth." Um. <laughs> And so I, I read this book. I read this, this Indiana Jones book. And as an undergrad, I read it with the same energy that I read everything for this podcast. 
<laughs> and so, uh, like, all of the things that I've said about, like, Star Wars in, in our previous Star in Wars like episode, last episode. In the last episode. Um, I, I said, like, straight up to my teacher, to my professor in college. And we had a guest speaker that day <laughs> who I did not recognize as Max McCoy, oh. author of the book itself. So you and slammed so, his book. So I, sl- I went full tilt into his book, oh. slammed his book in front of everybody. Because she asked, like, what were your thoughts? And I was like, can we talk about this book? Because it's fucking insane. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I went into, like, all of the plot bits that I was like, and this and this French guy shows up? And what is he doing here? <laughs> and I'm like, I was just really critical of this book. And so I, at the end of my rant, I see this this other professor who's there as a guest, and he is laughing his ass off, <laughs> <laughs> laughing. And uh, and he turns and uh, and he, and my professor was like, right, well, uh, this is Max McCoy. He's the author. And I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta go. Yeah. So so at the end of the at the at the end of his his little you know presentation on like writing and stuff like that, all of the kids go up to have their books signed by Max McCoy. And I'm the last in the line, of uh, course. <laughs> so I get to him and I hand him my book and I say, hey, will you go ahead and sign this for me? And he goes. No, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He did not. Was he, he really for real? No, I mean, I, he took, I think he took it in stride, but he never signed my book. And so, oh, <laughs> no, so that's salty. I'm, I'm like that's the, salty. I'm like the only kid. I'm going to see if he's class. on Twitter, and I'm going to tag him when we upload this episode <laughs> oh and just God. see if we can get his perspective on this, <laughs> this event. Sign my book. That is hilarious. So that's our review of Last Night in Soho. It was so uninteresting. Uh, <laughs> We've not that get things back on track. Uh, so i mean i'm sure the entire world except for me and i i'm just probably this is going to be the one mcu film that i just don't see with any kind of enthusiasm i guess everyone else has seen the eternals so do we want to talk about it i mean i just briefly bummed me out uh it really did i tell us how you really feel trevor i was i walked into this movie feeling like i knew that it was going to be kind of not good. I mean, the reviews were all over the place before. They were, and and a lot of people were like, it's Marvel, but it's Marvel, and, and Marvel's done everything great. And I'm like, When the yeah, dude from NPR who hates on Marvel says it's going to be a good movie, you know it's going to be a bad movie. Right. Well, Glenn Weldon has never really, he's never really hated on Marvel. So I'm tagging him in this episode as well, too, Yeah, that's right, right yeah. <laughs> from a Glenn, will t- Glenn will tell you. <laughs> Glenn's very active on Twitter. Um... No, I like. I don't know. I, this movie just bummed me out. I, I just like. There are many things that I love watching in a, a superhero movie, like having superheroes just stand around for three hours talking about their. It's not one of them. It's not. It's just not something I'm very. Oh, what? Yeah. Today on Jerry Springer, we have Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, and it's Are You the Father? Oh my god, you wrecked my home! <laughs> Martha! Martha! Why'd you Martha. say that name? Throw the chair! Throw the chair! Jerry! 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 <laughs> Settle down! Settle down! No, I think this movie is, uh, I just, I felt exhausted by it. Like, 
there there are parts of the movie that I think don't make any sense logically to the plot. Like they introduce these villains. I'm a I'm a spoil some shit right here. Spoil <laughs> it. I'm spoiling it. Spoil it like so ten days. The, the idea milk. is that these Eternals are like beings created by celestials, which are like the gods of the Marvel universe, right? And they come and they're they're supposed to protect humankind from the deviants, which is just a stupid named weirdo creature. The creature race. <laughs> yeah. So they come in to like Says genocide who? the deviants. <laughs> and and for the whole movie you're kind of set up like, oh, so the deviants are really the bad guy. And then like after the first act of the movie, the movie's like, no, but the deviants aren't really the bad guys at all. And I'm like, well, then why did I just spend 40 fucking minutes <laughs> watching a movie about like setting up the, the conflict between the Eternals and the deviants? Oh, yeah, they were they were just really into BDSM. That's why they're called the deviants. <laughs> no, but so these these eternals you know are in conflict with the deviants and then after the first act of the movie it's like oh but that's not even the conflict that you should care about and i'm like so then what the fuck so, am i watching yeah so so then they they kind of like spend the rest of the movie trying to reorient who the bad guys of the movie are but the deviants are still showing up and just wrecking shit and you're like i'm still supposed to care about I'm this they killed off selma hayek that would be the only reason I yeah could watch off that film. screen and then like <laughs> you don't even like, yeah she's not even in the majority of the movie like all it took was from dust till dawn and then that movie what was it fools rush in or something with her and matthew yeah. perry matthew perry and i mean i like, like her. i i will go see selma hayek and everything i like her in virtual can i tag selma hayek in this I don't think she's going to listen to slam her movie. I do like me some No, Selma. we're slamming the movie. We're not slamming her. Oh, no. Selma Hayek. And let me be clear. like <laughs> Easy, Jeremy. About this movie. This movie has some fine performances. Just kidding, like, honey, to my wife. Gemma Chan, I, I liked her in this movie. I liked Richard Madden. I liked Kumail Nanjiani. I liked Kit Harrington. I liked Selma Hayek. I liked Angelina Jolie. Like It has it, some good actors. It's got some, some, some great actors. Some A-list actors. And the, the acting is not my problem with this movie. My problem is like plot wise it makes no fucking at all and like and and so much of the conflict is given to characters that i don't give a shit about because there are 10 of them and none of them have very much dimension so like story-wise i just i'm just not there yeah Mm. for me the the too many characters has always been a problem for me like, yeah. how am I supposed to give a shit about each and every yeah. one of you? And yeah. it, it might work in, in a series that's 20 films long. You know, right. when I go and I watch Infinity War or something like that, I have stakes in all of the characters because I've seen them in their own media elsewhere. Right. So when something happens to Doctor Strange, I'm like, oh, no, Doctor Strange, I, I loved you in that movie. Right, right. There's but, like an organic kind of coming together. Exactly. Over a long yeah. of time, exactly. Rather than just shoving so this I cast know what the stakes are. But then when you bring me ten people in a movie, and the right. movie's only got a two and a half hour runtime, and they're like, care, care about this character. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, fucking, I can't. And most you can't manufacture. I think that. a lot of people are like, well, I do, and I will because this is a Marvel movie, and that's yeah. just what, right. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna but, do it but, no matter what. But that was another thing, you know, like whereas I feel like I walk into Captain America with all of my ex about what i know about captain america i'm a huge nerd i only knew who the eternals were by like the title like i knew who they are because i i actually do have one of the um the the mini series runs of the eternals but like 
I couldn't tell you very much more about them other than that they exist. You know, I had no real, I wasn't coming in. And they in, always will. Yeah, I wasn't coming in with a connection to this character. So it was like expecting the movie to give me something to connect to. Right. It just doesn't happen. It's I funny. Just it's almost like DC tried to catch up to Marvel, right? By throwing a bunch of characters into a couple of different movies and try and play catch up really quickly with them. Yeah. And it fell flat. And now Marvel has almost done the exact same thing. Almost. Like, <laughs> with yeah. one one of their franchise. With one right. of their franchise, yeah. It really yeah. feels like these massive corporations just battling each other. Like, it does. You know? Oh, for sure. Very you cynically. Know, it's just a business kind yeah. of thing. Very it, cynically, it, yeah. I, I now, hey guys, like now I'm daydreaming when Slay House is that big that we can get a massive corporation just battling each other and throwing schlock out just to... Yes, yes. And just rake. We can aspire, folks. We can aspire. never be outdone. So, um... So yeah, the Eternals. I mean, but it made some money, so there you go. But yeah. let's let's look at let's look at the next one on our they list. They all do. Um, they some do. Um, Antlers didn't. <laughs> Antlers made. It looks like almost it made back exactly what. The budget <laughs> <Yeah>. was. <laughs> um, I'm at all Marvel movies. I feel like yeah, Antlers yeah, is a movie that. that will do better streaming. Like yeah, once I it, agree. Once it's finally on a platform, uh, then it it wouldn't. I mean, I'll totally watch it again. I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed the movie. It had some issues. It wasn't perfect, but I did. Overall, I enjoyed the movie. For one, it's a great horror film that's showcasing a monster that we are not as... Like, I'm familiar with it because I'm familiar with all things horror, but um, a lot of people may not be as familiar with this idea of, like, a Wendigo or this Native American spirit. Yeah. And and I find that they they showcased it in this, this movie. I just thought it was beautifully done it was a great mix of like cgi and There's, practical effects there is some yeah that was the thing that struck me a it lot about this that the blend of cgi with practical effects works wonderfully on the screen and it was atmospherically beautiful like it was not it was very unsettling looking it really played with the setting really well it didn't rely on a bunch of jump scares but there were there a were couple a couple of jump, that got that me got out you. of my like, like it, it me and trevor and my wife went to see this at the same time like all together and all three of us like my wife never jumps at films and that scene that and trevor knows what i'm talking about and it it, like it not only gets you in the initial jump scare but then it does it again and you're like you're like i wasn't a jump scare it liked so much yeah and it works (laughs) it works and And, yeah, uh, and it it got me both times. It did. I was it expecting got, yeah. it both. Uh, it like, got my wife. My wife never jumps at this yeah. stuff, and she jumped. And... I was expecting <laughs> it, but I was not expecting. It. I, th- I think we all three looked at each other after that and just grinned and like, yeah, yeah, okay. I think I think uh, so. Looking back on this movie, um, which had a lot going for it, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I kind of struggle with is just taking it. Uh, something that's a Native American myth uh, with its own kind of allegory and trying to create allegory on top of it, like to use it as your own allegory. Yeah. Right. So in this movie, they, they, the Wendigo, I think it's an allegory for, um, for like maternal abuse or child abuse, mm-hmm. right? And, and with the, the trauma that comes from it. So the characters in the book, all of them, suffered some kind of um trauma through uh childhood mm-hmm. and and are are coping with it ways ego patient of that trauma grapple 
And so I, I don't know. I kind of like, like it. It sounds like a little bit. A little bit. That's what I'm thinking right a now. A little is bit. It. Yeah. yeah. So I just I, I struggled at times because I felt like this allegory is really quite coalescing the way that on it. And I also just I'm kind of like like they treat the Wendigo and transformation that go through when they're first Wendigo first or whatever. Um. They treat it as though it's contractable, like like vampirism or like anthropy is contractable, and I don't know how much that like mythology. So I let me. Think it was kind of. Yeah. So let me address the Native American mythology because having being a just a tad more familiar with it tells me how I see what they're doing with this movie, yeah. and it that's why it does kind of work for me. So. The Wendigo is um, all. It's kind of a. It's an allegory against um, cannibalism. It's addressed to a populace of Native and Americans. Kind of isolationist, right? Right. Or- it's isolationist. Um, it's addressed to a population, a Native American population. It's really prominent in like northern tribes, um, where there was food insecurity at certain times of the year, and so they warned against like, no, if you eat this other person and it was, it was contracted almost like vampirism. Like the Wendigo would be a spirit that would come in and force you to cannibalize. Like you'd be so hungry. You'd eat another one of your tribesmen or one of another person. And then after you did that, you yourself would become the Wendigo. Right. Oh. You become so, the monster. Right. Yeah. The and that first kind of settles on you for the violence. That done against you. Right. And so that idea of food insecurity and this, this impoverished and isolationist kind of, community um is being played into in this movie because they are in this like little mountain setting in oregon and and they are like Mm. this is a very impoverished town like everybody is is poor and in fact the the idea of like this idea of cannibalism and food and and providing for people is um played out with the dad who becomes the wendigo like the father figure for the the little boy um because he finds the creature, he's attacked by the creature and becomes the creature because he, um, well, he's, he's a meth, he's a meth dealer. He's like cooking yeah. meth in the mines. Um, and so, and, and, and that play on this emaciated kind of look and playing with that, the effects of that drug and stuff, I feel like kind of right. go well together. And I think when he, when we do see later in the film, that the guy that was with him when he's making meth at the beginning of the film, mm. we see half the body, like half the torso. I think what we're seeing is, the Wendigo possesses the guy. He eats his friend in the mine. We find the half of the corpse later on, and that's how he becomes the Wendigo. So I think it is playing well, into I, the, yeah. the legends. I guess I kind of... So the meth dealer guy, though, is attacked by a Wendigo. Turns in. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how it works. Right. I don't know. I, I Kind of like with Jesse Plemons later in the, the, the movie. Oh, right, right, right. He right, gets right. attacked by the Wendigo, and yeah. later it's implied that but, he's but becoming the Wendigo. And it, and, but, but I think at that point in time, you know, the... He's infected by the trauma that he suffered as a child oh, sure. through his own child abuse. Like, like that's kind of what they're using that for. I, right. It's just messy to me. Yeah. And the reason why it could have been done a little clearer. Yeah, I think, I, yeah. I think the reason why it just didn't quite connect. Like, I know these about what the and what the Wendigo does, and then as an adult, he's trying trying to use it, allegorize, kind of like, but it already is an allegory. And right. You're, you know, you're like taking, like, change. 
Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just I. I did it feel like they were appropriating it? Kind a of? little bit. Yeah. I could see that. I, sure. I, I I felt a little bit like that, but I also felt like. We say that not knowing the background it, it just, of Scott Cooper, right? Like, and, and who wrote I mean, the screenplay and wrote the short story. And, and, right. and <laughs> this is also produced by like Guillermo del Toro. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. Scott Cooper was the director. This is uh, Nick and Tosco, who yeah. wrote the screenplay. And yeah, and, I, I, okay. and and like I'm not. I, sorry, I don't folks. really care too much about appropriation, <laughs> because I think that there's a difference between like like true appropriation, like this is original to my culture. Yeah. When it is not, and right. claiming that it's part of your rich heritage when it is not, that yeah. is appropriation. Yeah. Right, I don't right. believe that appropriation okay. is just I'm wearing a dress that traditionally belongs to you know, a group of people. Because it's not. I'm not saying that this is part of my cultural he is heritage. wearing a dress today, I am folks. saying that it's something, uh, well, yeah. It's a s- uh, slick listen, back Listen, Harry Styles taught me to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pushing back. Oh, it's actually got a slit all the way up to his uh, thigh. It's really actually kind of disgusting. Oh, Harry. Well, Please cross your legs, Trevor. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I just, let, me, no. let me ask a question. Um, if, like, you know you know a lot of things about the Wendigo, and so that affects the way you interpret the movie and, and how Kinda, you feel yeah. about it. What do you think it would the impression would be somebody who has no idea, like me, who has no yeah. idea what that story is about? It, it could probably hit very different. Yeah, Would it make right? sense to, yeah. to a person? Oh, I think it, it does make sense. Okay. I mean, like, I feel like you track a lot of... I don't think right. there's a lot um, of movies on this list that we would advise people necessarily to go see, but I yeah. do feel like even though we have these criticisms of this one, yeah. I think it is one that we would no, say definitely go see whole, this. on the whole, I enjoyed this movie a lot. I didn't I enjoy like... it on the whole. The antlers were a little sharp. But... <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> Oof! There it is. <laughs> I was waiting uh, for the first one. Yeah. <laughs> you really have to time that. these things perfectly, Drop. folks. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the trick behind good comedy and making it's a really pun work. It's really on me for just it's... walking into it. Yeah. <laughs> he backed yeah. into it. I really backed into it. <laughs> Should have been, wa- been, been watching. Oh, my God. Um, all right. Yeah. No, I, just to kind of sum that up, you know, there are some movies that I feel like they try something new, uh, like Night House, and that did not. Right. I really was frustrated by Night I felt like allegory or, or the story that they were going for, the symbolism they were going for did not work for me. Whereas right. I feel like on the whole, this one feels a little better, but still is kind of messy. Yeah. I, I say, I, I, it's not that I didn't have my problem. But right. I, yeah. yeah. Um, Ron's gone wrong. Ron's gone wrong. Listen, I, I don't know I why. I didn't see this one, folks. I don't know why. I just really I seen like any of these. I like, <laughs> yeah, I like kids' movies. Your like, kids might like. Would his kids like? A problem. Yeah, on. this this feels like a, a movie family. that's very manufactured. Yeah, yeah. I just have to be really case by case about it. It's not really like a no. That's oh cool. yeah, a yeah, code yeah. I go by. No, I think Ron's that, gone wrong. Uh, yeah, it's got Zach Galifianakis at Helms. And, um, oh, that's a PG movie. Yeah, Zach mm-hmm. Galifianakis. Plays a robot. Oh uh, my god! That he is my favorite. Oh really? I <laughs> love that man. He plays a he plays a robot that that has like a a manufacturing effect. Number um, five. Come so on that, like, like the, yeah. <laughs> no, it's very it is very like that. It's very like it's got the same kind of vibe. Basically, um, he's supposed to be this friend to a little kid, but like all of his safety settings are, are off and like <laughs> and the algorithm that is supposed to make him friendly is just kind of wonky. 
so he's he's very friendly but he's also terrifying and i i i don't know why there are some really good dark jokes in the movie that just got me like first off uh he only uh, like in terms of of the dictionary that downloads for his little robot brain or whatever he only has um like an encyclopedic knowledge of words that begin with a um, and so it, it's like trying to get understand this kid's name and this kid uh, i forget the kid's name um but basically the robot thinks that his name it like pitches names to him it's like aaron um it's barney adam the oh yeah his, barney. his name is barney <laughs> yeah uh so but it gets through and and the kid's like my name's not aaron it's not adam and it's like Absalom, and he's like Absalom, and uh, and he's like correct. So your name is Absalom, and like with Confirmed. that intonation, with the, with the question mark, you know, at the end of it. So throughout the whole movie, he's like, "Where are you going, Absalom?" Like, it's so funny. I don't know why that joke works for me so well. It sounds kind of like Big Hero Six. Did you see that movie? Oh yeah, definitely. Is it like that? It's absolutely got some Baymax vibes. Okay, like for I, sure. I really like that movie. Yeah. For sure it's it's got the same kind of like goofy robot humor the robot buddies always yeah. work in the movies yeah <laughs> so but there are some great like i said some great dark jokes at one point in like time Chucky? the the robot <laughs> yeah the robot is like trying to figure out um everything about barney to like you know be his best friend or whatever and he tears uh the the, the head off of like barney's little stuffed bunny or whatever and he's like what did you do he's like i had to find out everything about you so i did and i found out that the bunny's head rips off after 45 square inches of or uh, like he knows the 40, yeah 45 yeah. Uh, uh pounds per square inch of force or whatever <laughs> and uh and so uh he runs into a chicken later and and the robot grabs the chicken by the head and the body and starts stretching and and he's just counting he's going 42, 43. Oh, <laughs> like, it's so dark. But he's like, shit. Yeah. But it works. So I, I thought that the, the joke's really good. If you're a cynical millennial and you watch this movie and you're like, yeah, yeah, everything's a big corporation and none of that is good, um, you'll get really cynical about the ending to this movie too because it's a child's movie and it's, it's very didactic. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I had a blast with it. I really... I, like I'm not gonna rank it in like my favorite children's movies or anything, but in terms of like non-objectionable kids movies, I I had a good time with it. Cool, it nice. Well, that time nice. was good. What about No Time to Die? I see what I did there. I really. I uh, see. Is that yeah? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No Time to Die. The Segway Master. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Kind of felt like. Maybe it's no time to die, but it definitely killed my interest in this franchise. Oh. Like, it did? Uh, yeah. Did it? Was it bad? I did not like it. You know, oh, Daniel wow. Craig said before they even thought about doing this movie, Daniel Craig said a long time ago, they asked him, are you going to do any more 007 films? And he said, I would rather die than do another <laughs> 007 film. Well, <laughs> I mean, and he did one. So yeah. I, I was like, should I watch this? I don't. Because from what I know, he doesn't give a shit about this movie. And yeah. he dies at the end of it. Like spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler really? alert. They actually kill off James Oh my now, God. this is not the end of, of James Bond movie. Right. Um because you can go with a different timeline. Right. You're, I mean just a different or just a different character. Like, you know. I I felt like yeah. for me, what made this bond so interesting, the sense of continuity. 
could he give to Daniel Craig's character and the way that Daniel Craig develops over the course of the movie. So this, you know, you see a different James Bond, like he's going through different stuff in each movie. Right. And as a result, the character, I think, just evolves, becomes very different and, um, and, and feels so much differently than any of the James Bonds that came. It's kind of like what they did with Batman. He, he's just a little bit one yeah. dimensional character that threw his thing. And then over time, it's like, what's his deal? Yeah. You know, like what? No doubt. So, so that's so kind of cool. This um this movie I, I think as a capstone to a project kind of bring James Bond into the twenty first century and make him a more nuanced character than just a dude who fucks bitches and, sh- and drives cars. That really won't fly today, will it? I mean, it the, really the traditional Double O Seven is go not going to work watch now. Any James Bond prior to Daniel Craig. And cultural climate even the pierce brosnan ones even the pierce yeah. brosnan ones. and i loved pierce Fuck brosnan it. and sean connery's versions yeah i, I love so, yeah. i still love the sean connery movies but but like yeah man, you're right they, they don't stand up and problems. do you remember denise richards in that pierce one? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah yeah whoa that's some yeah. bad Halle Berry. acting dude I oh mean, yeah oh i thought her just, acting is rough i mean she's a very good looking oh yeah let's be real and not act out of it makes me like her though it actually makes oh, me really? like her. Like her acting is so bad, but she just insists I, on I doing it. I feel like it. she's just so genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, like she just like she genuinely <laughs> wants to be there. She genuinely is giving it her best shot. Yeah, yeah. Like on Starship Troopers. She oh was... yeah, I unironically <laughs> love Starship Troopers oh, and yes. love her in Star. Same here. Yeah. Same yeah. here. Yeah, for sure. True. Yeah, when she got stabbed in the thing or whatever, and she went. Yeah, yeah. She went. Ah! <laughs> like, like it hurts. Ow! So, it was so no, bad. I mean, it, she was doing her Arnold. Give me Give me the choice between Denise Richards and not Denise Richards. Like, I'm going to watch Denise. I like Ooh, Denise. Arnold Schwarzenegger is James Bond. Uh, I thought the... you were going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger is Denise Richards. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That's not subtle enough. Bond has to be subtle. You yeah. Know? You can't be Schwarzenegger walking into a casino. Uh, because you know, all eyes immediately go to him. Right. No. Well, he kind of was James Bond in True Lies, though. I mean, that was True very lies much great. That we was were just awesome talking movie. about this. True we were Lies. Just talking about it's, this. It's, it's, it's really, oh, it's really it's great. so good. I mean, he really was James Bond in that film. Oh, I mean, he gets oh, out of the yeah, scuba definitely. gear and he's got the he's and got Jamie the tuxedo. Lee Curtis on. is the Bond girl. Dude, like, oh yeah. Movies in the nineties were just inexplicably good. Oh yeah. That movie is peak. Yeah. Carreras in that. Tia Carrera, mm-hmm. uh, like I, he did the whole Bond girl being a villain, and then the true Bond girl thing before. I think James Bond, like those 007 movies, did it. Like I don't know if they'd done it. Maybe they had. Maybe they had done it. Maybe that's where he got the idea. Who did it? Uh, Cameron and James and True Lies. Yeah. I was like when did? Because yeah. oh, then you get the spy who's like the gorgeous femme fatale spy. I mean, yeah, it's oh, been yeah. done before. It was, but he did it so well in that movie. It was so good. No, I, I think what works about that movie. is James Cameron just steers directly tropes of that whole genre and, and <laughs> yeah. turns it on their head and just yeah. plays with them. And, yeah. just, and just delivers kind of a pulse of the wall. And he put Tom Arnold in it, which is <laughs> right over the top. It's, and it's funny. Yes. Like, it's genuinely funny and yeah. self-aware of its own, like, stupid jokes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Tom Arnold talking about yeah. his wife leaving him, and he's like, "What kind of bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer?" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, 
that's his big yeah. issue. It's so funny. No, that 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 movie is stellar. So anyway, but back, so that's our review of No Time to Die. Yeah, because we yeah. back to No Time <laughs> to Die. I just you only thought you were getting a review of uh, the movies that just came out. We're yeah. actually ref- using them to segue yeah, off. Yeah, we're just reviewing all of our '90s film. Um, so, no, I I felt like this. Like again, to just kind of wrap it up. Like I felt like this movie was very underwhelming because as much as they tried to evolve the character of Bond for me, the plot just really did not work. Bummer. Um, it was way too convoluted. And, and then on top of that, um, I really just felt like a terrible job establishing Rami Malek as like, this villain is the most one note villain I have Long time. Dude, that guy, I like him a lot. Uh, but unfortunately, the thing that I liked him most on was Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I mean, when he when I watched the Queen movie, yeah, didn't work for me. Uh, I, like he I has he like, found his spot yet, or is he kind of? I really don't. Think so. Still trying I to think, fit him into different I think they're slots. Trying to find the right. He was in that show, Mister Robot. Too. He'll get there for sure. Mister Robot was pretty good. Um, he had a part video game horror movie. That was. Um, he was also um, like a uh, it's like another thriller movie with um mm-hmm. with the the bad Joker guy. Oh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto, the bad Joker. Oh yeah, he, didn't he we see that? that? Yeah, we yeah, watched we Joker. Nobody and wants to Denzel talk about Denzel Washington. And Denzel Washington. It was like a, a PI crime thriller kind yeah. of movie. I felt like he was pretty okay in that movie. As, as he didn't have like a big a part, though. Cop. He was. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he was the junior yeah, he, cop. He, he he was the young cop. That's right. The young high guy. That really should have been on our boy. That's bad. It was called the little things. The little. Things. The little yeah. things. Yeah. That was, I mean, it came out a while ago. Did we watch it during this fall? No, we didn't watch it. Fall. So it should have been in our summer. It's like a year ago. January 29th, twenty twenty one. Okay, so oh, okay. it was January when. It came okay, that's out. why we never talked about it. Yeah. It's not a bad movie, but it, it also wasn't great. I felt like right. Um, performance was the best part. But I don't like Jared Leto. I think I can't. I tried. I, no. I, I tried, like, man. I tried. I'm, I'm not a fan of Jared Leto either. He likes himself so way more sure than I could ever like him on so. Twitter when yeah, we release yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jared Leto. <laughs> not listen. a fan. Come listen not to our fan. podcast. So, um, <laughs> what was your favorite of the Daniel Craig uh, 007s? I really feel like. Uh, Casino Royale. Yes, it's just kind of a masterclass. That's the one I was going to say. Thriller, like yeah. No, it's, it's really good. It's the one that feels the most grounded. It feels the least like Bond in a lot of ways. Yeah, I felt it like has you on, your, on the edge of your seat the yeah, whole time. It's just as slam dunk. When he's struggling with the poison coursing yeah. through his veins, yeah. like that was like it had me. Yeah, yeah I wanted to I watch also, that one over. I and also over. liked Skyfall. Um, I felt like mm-hmm. there's so like the plot is so inconvenient. Uh, <laughs> That's true for a lot of James Bond films. Though. It's so improbable, <laughs> I mean, for sure. Freaking sharks with lasers on them. That. I mean, that's yeah. Austin Powers, but it's I mean, it's the same. I count Austin Powers. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. there's yeah. a reason they made all those yeah, jokes yeah, yeah, in yeah. Austin Powers because <laughs> those might yeah. be rightful criticisms. Yeah, but, but but no time to die. I just felt like. And what a terrible note on. Because I'm okay with them killing Bond. I'm just not okay with. 
I mean, it makes sense that Bond would die. He does yeah. the most dangerous shit in the world. Oh, sure. You know, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I it's more I likely think than Steve Irwin. They tried some <laughs> stuff for the character here that I think was really ambitious. Respect for it, but the the actual like nitty gritty of how it all goes down. Damn, I just mm. I just don't. like and that that you know that that kind of reinforces my original thought. Like, if Daniel Craig would rather die than do another one, yeah. Then how like, could I? How could I go watch this? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I bet they got pissed about him saying that. You I, know, I, I wonder knows? if that was a breach of contract or something. Like, <laughs> you don't do that. Maybe. Um, yeah. So then we went to see the last duel, and I this was actually I liked this movie. I love. I I will say that for me, I I thought like. This is one of those movies where it's like, here's a sequence of events that happened, and here's one person's perspective, and then here's the next person's perspective, and you almost you, see the same seasons. The same, the same story scenes. three times. Yeah. So at <laughs> so, times it felt a little long. Very repetitive. Very repetitive. But, but all in all, I liked it. I thought it was I a good film. I think that the repetition works. Like uh, the Ridley Scott last duel is about, it's, it's based loosely on real like history of mm-hmm. the last France, right? Um, because France, like French law, basically some of wrongdoing trial by combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the last, right? Historically, ever occurred. So let's give a little. Sense. Let's give give a little um, insight into what happened. So Matt Damon's character is. And I just wrote Matt. Matt Dam. Matt Dam. Matt Dam. <laughs> Matt Dam. Matt Damon's character is married to Jodie Comer, um, or Jodie Comer's character, and he is a he's a knight. He's um, he's struggling with his his local finances. His finances. His local governor kind of. Oh yeah. And like his, with, uh, Ben Affleck. The Lord the, he he serves under. To play a fealty. Yeah, oh, and man, he's really good friends good. with Adam Driver's character, yeah. and it's through these three perspectives. So Ben Affleck kind of plays a side character in this, but um, yeah. this was actually the first collaboration between Affleck and Damon since, and they've worked together as actors, but this is the first time they worked together as screenwriters since Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Um, so mm. the the story is is basically Adam Driver uh, is accused of raping jo- uh, Jody uh, Comer, Jody Comer's character. Yep. Um, and Matt Damon challenges him. And what's interesting about oh, that is in Adam Driver's version of events, like when we see that, uh-huh. he still admits to like attacking raping and raping her, her, but it's not as violent a scene as what as what she, she depicts. Yeah, right. when we see her version it, of events, it's really interesting. And and the just the political machine kind of working against Homer mm-hmm. makes and her, Matt Damon and and well, but but I mean Matt he's Damon's kind of an, he's an asshole. Kind of, like, he is like his character is self-righteous see his perspective. But then when you see Jody Comer's perspective, like he's just as rapey and just as awful mm-hmm. as any of the other story. And I I think what's really interesting about this movie is that I, I think it tries to have a conversation about the way we have framed history yeah. itself. Right? The way that we write these historical narratives right. and envision these historical narratives. Without uh, really paying attention, like who is writing the historical narrative, and how does that reshape the kinds of narratives we tell ourselves about the way we should tell? Right. I am so sad this movie has not made back its budget 
Um, Ridley yeah. Scott, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon deserve much better. They at least deserve some awards. Yeah, because uh, it, it had a one hundred million dollar budget, and it's only the box office real. And I double check these numbers, folks. So, like, by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be a few weeks after we've recorded it. But I double check these numbers the night before we recorded this. So this has been this is like up to date. There's, what there's caused no such a low turnout? Well, I mean, it is a <sighs> right. Uh, there's not a whole lot of of stuff that in theaters right now that's turning out. Uh, you know, and right. I don't think they really marketed this. No, like, I, I a lot. the biggest movie that we. That, or that we're talking about really is no time to die that made yeah seven hundred and thirty three dollars uh but even the eternals didn't and I make think that's much a world over there gross. yeah 733 i think uh, that's what i was trying uh, to but it, it hasn't cleared wow so the, the the marks that a lot of people Mm-mm. thought it were trying to clear. you know eternals is the big marvel movie that's only had 304 off a 200 million dollar budget so that's really not making yeah. that's barely covering marketing it's, it's uh gonna make money yeah in the long run mm-hmm. but the fact that you know, like most of these marvel movies end up making a dollar mm-hmm. um for it you have been out for two or three weeks now yeah and to not have that big splash like it's gonna be the most underperforming marvel yeah and I, it is the lowest score on rotten tomatoes um that too i think a lot of word of mouth probably good. <laughs> our word of mouth isn't helping it much either yeah i mean <laughs> yeah but the last duel deserves that word of mouth it deserves, it deserves that credit for more audience and I, I was listening to some some reactions to the movie from NPR and NPR critics um i don't often agree with a lot of critics yeah um NPR was just, uh they really did not like talked a lot about what on nearly every point yeah i was like you know I well i don't like npr that much so there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> take that glenn weldon <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so after the last duel then we had venom let there be carnage i wanted to see this one i, I kind venom. of i mean i like was it Topher I, grace no. no. Ah, no. no Topher? It's, no, it's, it's Bane from Batman as Venom now. Oh. Tom Hardy does some Venom. I, this movie had a, Luckily, he doesn't do the Bane voice yeah. with Bane. Yeah. I did this movie not was directed like by Andy Serkis, which I yeah. did not know until I actually watched it. Until I wrote it down on our script? No, no, no. I, I actually knew. That's when I, I found out. I knew out. once I saw the, the, the credits roll, I was like, holy shit. Great. Oh. <laughs> I love Woody Harrelson. Like he's he's one of my favorites. It's not very good. Like uh, will I'm being yeah. real. But I also think it's weird to cast him as as Yeah, he's an odd choice carnage. for Cletus. Because he's old, like how old is he now? He's in his sixties. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and and this character is only supposed to be thirty. And he's got like they give him a, a bad looking, a terrible looking like red terrible wig, like curly wig. red wig. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's dating a, a gal who's Really, very clearly, not even. That's weird. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, there's talk about like back when I was in the the orphanage, or whatever, and they show you know young Woody Harrelson. What? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand. 
Um, it makes some weird choices. Ted but, Danson walks in. I was just watching Cheers last night. Yeah, Woody yeah. Harrelson. And, yeah, Ted Danson walks in. He's like, come run a bar with me. And yeah. Then yeah. this fat guy walks in. Everyone's like, Norm. No, but on the whole, I, I actually liked this movie way more than I liked. You say on the whole a lot. Have you noticed that? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the theme. It's my way of trying to wrap up. All of the many loose strings yeah. we introduce. Yeah, in total. In total. In total. In conclusion, in summary, <laughs> let me dig out my thesaurus. On the whole, is just a little more poetic sounding than yeah. all those other ones. No, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought yeah. it's. And a they fun had the movie. after credit scene where where they put him in the MCU now. So. Yeah. Uh huh. They introduced. Yeah. So uh, did Matt Damon know. do a? Did he do an accent? Matt Damon? No, he no. Not, well, none of them not, do an accent. In that. Okay, in that movie, in in uh, Last Duel, they they kind of he kind of did, but not much of. Them. They did more of an okay. accent for their movie than Kevin Costner did for Robin yeah. Hood. Oh. Ben Affleck does some weird. <laughs> That's an some interesting weird, gradient. Of, no, of ben, like Ben Affleck in in Last Duel is like cartoonish. His his accent yeah. is so fucking weird. I yeah. The moment he opened his mouth, it was like, what is he? See, I. I he doesn't. To me, he doesn't look like he can do an accent. And he's got. He, they, he dyed his hair like full on blonde. It's like yeah, blonde yeah. and like he's Caesar like cut. Justin it's Timberlake like... in the the early aughts blonde. Yeah. Like it's he makes some weird character choices in the last duel that even is like didn't he have facial bizarre. hair that was blonde too? Uh yeah, he's got like, like a, little a little goatee. goatee. I know Ben Affleck can't do an accent. No, no, he can't. He can do a I, like Boston I don't accent. I, like I don't know that about him. He can do but a Boston I know accent. that about him. Yeah. He what? He can do a Boston accent. Oh, wicked Boston accent, huh? But he's from Boston, so he better be able to do a Boston <laughs> yeah, accent. Yeah, I'd hope he'd be able to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Dune. It's another one I didn't see. I only yeah. remember Dune from it, like, as a kid when I watched, like, that, that old movie. I can go movie. watch this movie. Doom? As in the video? Dune. No, no, no. Dune. Dune. As in Frank <laughs> I was like, Herbert's they did that again? Sci-fi master. Dune. Yes, my neighbor keeps texting me about this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Dune. Have you seen Dune? Have you seen Dune yet? And I was like, no, I don't even know what that is. And he's like, you got to watch the old one first with Sting. Yeah. And I was like, Sting was in a movie? Sting was in that movie. Sting was in that in movie. In the David yeah. Lynch movie, yeah. yeah. And he was like, yeah, it was really fucking and, weird. And you got to yeah. watch it. Like, yeah, fucking... well, that movie is weird. It's like, like everybody's whispering to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for real. And Kyle MacLachlan has like yeah, Kyle MacLachlan would show up. That are like, like... He'd show up and it's like, it's the gum, Jabbar, Gwisette's Atarak. <laughs> Oh they need God. the spice in order for the space guild to fly us to Arrakis. Like, like shit like that. It's fucking weird. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, it's it's incredible. I don't know. <laughs> this is Dune. I figure if I talk low enough, nobody will understand. And they yeah. expect me to know what I'm talking Dune about speak. either. David Lynch is explaining the plot to us right now. <laughs> David Lynch is explaining the plot to you? You're in deep shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking no, Lost that's, Highway. That's, that's, that's all old, I got to say. That's the old Dune. <laughs> Oh, go watch Lost Highway again, though. That movie's oh, brilliant. Yeah. That movie's incredible. Are we doing this again where we're supposed to be talking about one we're movie? We're supposed we're to be talking, talking about, about one movie, and we're still just day-tripping over Dune. Dune. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, we Lost still Highway the, was the another, to, like, early, or was it, yeah, it's an early aughts yeah, class. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this, like, Eraserhead, Twin Peaks, I mean, David Lynch is... Wow. But getting back to <laughs> Denny Villeneuve's Dune. Yeah, let's get off. No, this movie's a slam dunk. Dune. Cool, I'll have to watch Freaking it. Freaking great. It's gorgeous. The music is I wonder if it's still on HBO Max. 
I don't. It, it'll come the, back. The music. All right. Yeah, the mute dude. Is it like the, uh, the symphonic, m- like score, like movie score? No. Or is it well, like kind of. No, it's uh, uh, what's who's the 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 composer? I didn't look that up. Damn it, John Williams. Um, it's not John Williams. I failed in my writing duties. No, it's um, it's the guy who did all the Zack Snyder uh, soundtracks and stuff. Oh, the did he do the Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. Hi, that's it. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. Oh, does. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he does the the soundtrack yeah. to this this film. And Wonderful. Mind boggling. Yes. It's cool. So good. Very See, to cool. me, to me, uh, personally, music is in tr- extremely crucial to oh, making yeah. me care oh, yeah. about a movie oh Absolutely. yeah i can't do it if there's no score yeah because i'll remember that music for the rest of my life yeah. and, it, and it has those images from the movie tied to it hans zimmer's score serves the like villeneuve's uh visuals immaculately wow. Man, it is a film that is absolutely gorgeous to watch story-wise i had some issues uh, just because I think that it needs to be a four-hour-long movie, and it's only two and a half hours. <laughs> right. Well, and I heard they cut out some stuff that was like really Pro- intrinsic to the plot. Pivotal, like, uh, well, not not necessarily the plot, but like pivotal to the characterization. Gotcha. <gasps> and I think that's what bothered me so much that you know, this movie is so dependent on its characters to work, and the stuff that they cut out for time, unfortunately, is all of the stuff that I would have kept. Because it's so to the character. Right, right. Um, but otherwise, I mean, if, if you get past the, the weird jankiness of, of like cutting so much out of the plot in order to make it work for a two and a half hour movie, it's visually stunning. And cool. I think that it gives vision to the novel. Um, that is one of my, it's in my top 10 favorite novels of all time. Um, it, it gives service to the novel that I think it's just so fun. To nice. Toto did the music for the first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's uh that it's, movie, I'm telling you, the the old eighties one is I miss the rains down in Africa. Yeah. yeah, that was They missed the rains down on Iraq. Yeah, a lot a lot of people probably don't know who Toto are. Who Toto are. They, then they wouldn't get the joke. They wouldn't get the joke meme with like Dorothy holding her dog, and she's like, "I miss Kansas," and he's like, "I miss the rains down in Africa." Okay, so you've convinced me. I need to go watch Dune. Yeah. Um, how about? Oh God, we got to talk about this one, don't we? I mean, just briefly, reminiscence. Like, reminiscence. Let's reminisce about reminiscence and how not a joy it was, Lisa Joy, to watch this film. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson are in this Hugh movie. Huge jackass. Oh, uh, yeah. Huge jackass. <laughs> Huge jackass. Huge jackass. <laughs> He's never heard that yeah. in his entire life. This Probably movie not. is no, exhausting. I'm original in that way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really was exhausting. I'm not uh, derivative in any anyways, any, <laughs> by any means. No. Yeah, this movie was exhausting. Um, yeah, talk I, about not making back its budget. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and this is weird because it was one of those movies that was like streamed on HBO Max at the same time as it came out. That's where we caught it. We didn't even we, bother going yeah, to the theater. because I knew it was going to be bad. It looked is like it a new whole bunch is of it trash. Is it sci-fi? Is it sci-fi wanting to be new war? Is it's, it... it's, it's bad. And, and, and the thing that I was thinking about it after it was done is like noir usually only works you know so much as like we're we're kind of caught up in character head and and we sympathize with the character yeah but right yeah. like there has to be a kind of sympathy for the narrator in order for this to work but if you see huge J- 
jacked man. <laughs> huge jacked man. I, I just I only know him as huge <laughs> jacked man. If you see huge huge jacked man, he can't even not say. I can't. I can't not do it. Uh, and you no. If you see him and you see that he's also a huge jackass, like like you don't you don't give a shit about him. You know. Right. I, so I felt like as a noir as a noir story. It only works so much as you like are actually invested in this dude's life and and like sympathy. For and him. we're not slamming like this idea of noir being mixed like with another genre because it right. can work. Like it I've can seen, work. Who framed Roger Rabbit? One of my favorite sure. noir films. That's like a cartoon and Ooh. like adventure comedy as well too. And yeah. we were and talking about Christopher Lloyd earlier and talk about another like creepy ass performance mm-hmm. by Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, that yeah, no, movie. mind uh, mind altering. Yeah. Uh, performance by Christopher Lloyd. But yeah. but there, I mean that they understood the concepts of noir even in that kind of film, and I don't yeah. think Lisa Joy gets it. No, and I don't, I really don't think she does. And and as much she doesn't as I could understand look, dialect. As much as I could look at Rebecca Ferguson all day, because I can look at <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson all day. She was a dude. She was what? in Dune. Wasn't she? She was in Dune. I, I think yeah. she was in Dune. She was. She plays the Lady Jessica. I don't know. I didn't see I'm that. I'm on board. Like, no. <laughs> we got to go I, see I, Dune, man. What's her I, name? We got to see Rebecca Dune. Ferguson. Ferguson. I could stare at that woman all day. Like, like legitimately. <laughs> I'm about but to find out if I can. This movie sucked. Oh, yeah. gosh. It sucked. Okay, Reminiscence, not Dune. I'm looking at pictures no, of, Dune of Rebecca Another Ferguson. movie that sucked. Um, while Curtis is looking up Rebecca Ferguson so that two-thirds of Slay House Publishing Presents Lit Bits can have... Um, uh, like well, shit. My joke just went flat because I forgot what I was. How I was gonna it. <laughs> Don't you love that? Um, yeah. <laughs> Did Lisa Joy direct your joke? Lisa Joy directed my joke. <laughs> you can circle back. I'll um, change the subject, then you circle back. All and, right. Uh, so yeah, Damn. this uh, Rebecca uh, Ferguson, pretty attractive uh, young lady there. I'm telling um, you, I, I could yeah. look at her. Uh, for, Jeremy, you got days. anything you want to add? I thought I did, but I've just lost. Oh, it. Like, I let you circle back right. too. Malignant um, James Wan. Stalking, stalking charges against them. Two thirds of lit. See, the joke fell flat now because you're both talking about you could watch her. <laughs> all the all pieces the, are there. All the all put, the way. Put it all together. And, someone. And, and, I'll yeah, go to jail for Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. And you're stalking. You're stalking. We're stalking. Okay, so stuck. malignant. <laughs> James Wan's Ode to Farce. <laughs> oh, man. Man, what a fucking movie. Um, yeah, malignant? it's weird because... So this was supposed to be like the big Made my horror, brain feel malignant. Yeah, the big horror movie of the fall, other than uh, maybe Halloween Kills, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was supposed to be the big horror movie, and uh, comes out, it was... It's simultaneously released in theaters and on HBO Max and uh, was supposed to be this tour de force of horror because James Wan is the voice of like new horror, right? He did the Conjuring movies and uh, and and oh, those okay. were a smash hit that launched its own They're not like, really weird that great cinematic. Either. We could do a whole episode on like the Conjuring universe. Yeah, and... I, uh, I do not like those movies, I but a lot of people love them. I think they're great and malignant was one of those movies that came out like his his return to horror after doing some other movies it's like whatever you're doing before why don't you go back to it yeah and was supposed <laughs> to be like this you can't fucking yeah do this slam dunk kind of horror movie and and people in the horror world were like oh i loved it it was so great uh or they were like what the fuck are you smoking because this movie is terrible and i fall on that like this movie is fucking i mean it sets up like the date polarizing. for Quado on like total recall. Yeah. 
so what was yeah 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 the the the, the, the like the, conjoined twin growing out of the, the dude's chest. stomach yeah and he and he leads the freedom fighters in total recall yeah directed by paul verhoeven who also uh, directed his starship troopers <laughs> see, oh, see how this all comes everything around. ties back it it's all, all, it all comes back. Oh, together God. Yeah, uh, this no. is the World. premise of this is basically the premise of *Malignant*. This woman's got a conjoined twin coming In out the of her back head, of her head, and it takes over. So, like the villain that you see, shadowy, like yeah, I'm gonna fucking spoil this. James Wan, James Let's Wan watched *Harry Potter yeah. and the Sorcerer's Stone*, where where the Voldemort comes yeah. out of the back of Professor Quirrell's head, and right. it's like, there's a movie there. And the whole uh, thing, the villain, the big monster, movie. is her running backwards because this the is thing her running is backwards. like taking over her body. Because oh. you think you think that it's like this weird doppelganger or something, this demon or something, and no, it's just the conjoined twin. And, and what was stupid was at the beginning of the movie where they show, you know, they're like foreshadowing the rest of the movie where she's they're doing surgery on this girl, and you know that it's this deformed twin in the back of her head or whatever that they're removing. Um. The moment that scene opens up, I looked at Jeremy and I said, please tell me that this movie is about a fucking conjoined twin that goes on murder sprees. And, that's exactly uh, and that's exactly what it fucking was. Exactly what it was. It, it, my favorite parts of the movie, uh, she rips a, a woman's heart out just with her bare hands, like sticks it in her Kali Ma style. <laughs> like pulls it out. Indiana Jones reference. Yeah, Indiana Jones Indiana. reference. See, everything comes back around. Swish. Everything Every, comes, yep, back around. comes back around. Everything comes back no, around. No, she pulls it out of her chest, and, and but then later she's like, she like throws, I don't know, she throws like a whole fucking hospital bed on this woman, and she goes, like once she defeats the dumb uh, conjoined twin in her brain or whatever, and comes back to her senses, she's like, human again and and so she's trying to lift this hospital bed and they're like can you do it are you strong enough she's like if i was strong enough to throw it i'm strong enough to pick it up um and she blows her hernia which is dumb because i'm just like are you telling me legitimately that i can kali ma someone's fucking heart out of their chest if i just think hard enough about doing it <laughs> you, you're telling me that like I'm, my ethical standards are what keep me from punching through someone's fucking chest uh yeah here's my jerry springer moment to this all right um we all have our conjoined twins to deal with in our life and <laughs> and i uh. i just want you to recognize that you have that issue and that the people you're around have their own conjoined twins to deal with too so be yeah. kind to each other what's your conjoined twin <laughs> on the next Jerry Springer. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorical. Um, so, bad movie. But the last movie we are going to talk point. about, I am fucking legit excited to talk about this movie. Like, okay, Whoa. when I looked these numbers up last night, I want to tell... Uh, so. Think about this for a minute. So this next movie that we're going to talk about has only, by the time of recording, has only been out for th three days, right? Yeah. Has a $75 million budget. Mm -hmm. I looked it up last night, and it had earned back $16.5 million. And I put in our script that that's at the time of recording. But as we were going on about these bad movies, I picked up my phone and Googled this movie again. From last night to today, that number is up to $60 million. It's earned at the box office. Nice. Well, keep in mind, first off, like like opening weekends typically come that way. Yeah, right? yeah. I think it would be a really bad sign if 
if it didn't no. do that. I don't think this movie is going to pass dollars, four hundred million dollars. I don't. Know. I just don't feel like it's got that. Kind of, uh, I don't think moviegoers are going to. I don't think they are either, but I think if any of these movies had the potential to, to do that, I, I do think, think it'll one, make a, a good profit. It's going to earn its money so, back. It's yeah. almost already earned its money back. Well, and I, I think it'll do fine. So like, I want to frame discussion of this last movie with our subject from last week when we talk about Star Wars and we go on and on railing against J.J. Abrams. We are talking about Ghostbusters after. We are talking about we Ghostbusters. That, I feel like... No, I was building up to yeah. that. I was trying to make it a surprise. <laughs> 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 uh, who are you going to call? Hey, Ghostbusters. What's his name? Joaquin Bodine? Joaquin Bodine? You know what I'm I'm trying to say the actor's name. Joaquin Woodbine? It's stressing me out listening you try to say that. It's written here on the script. You're like not even looking at it. I'm not even looking at the script. It's like an old man thing. It's like, let me adjust my bifocals here. He looks at the... He's so tongue-in-cheek when he looks at... McKenna Grace and he's like, oh yeah. She's like, I'm. I have a right to a phone call, don't I? And he's like, who are you gonna call? Who are you gonna call? <laughs> oh God, that's, but that's, it's, it's, that. so yeah, it's, obligatory. You know what though? I felt like it was earned. Like I, 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 I didn't mind the I pun. Laughed. I oh, laughed. Man. I mean, it, that's what it was there for. They, it was so, self-referential. It was. I have, but here's why this movie. Here's why Ghostbusters Afterlife, Afterlife works as a sequel, soft reboot, where. Like the Star Wars Abrams and and Rain Johnson Star Wars films don't. It's because the director understands the characters. He understands the universe that he's building because he grew up in it. The director yeah. is Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman was on the set as well. And Bill Murray at one point says to Ivan Reitman, first time he picks up the the proton packs on this new set, he's like, Man, these things are so much lighter than what we carried around back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> he was still complaining about it. He was still complaining about Bill it. Bill Murray was. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I love that they and yeah, so they do kill off one of the the original Ghostbusters in here. But spoiler alert: Harold He's Ramis died like a few years ago. Yeah. So this was more of an homage to him. I felt like because when they were tearing up at the end, like I, I teared up. Ivan Reitman was the director. Yeah, first, Ivan Reitman directed the first two. Of, oh, uh, Harold Ramis is so and cool. don't. And here's the other thing too. I could be accused probably of being one of these. Like if I tell you I hate the 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 Paul Feige version or whatever the twenty six the twenty sixteen version, you're going to be like, oh, because it was all women. It's not because it was all women. It's because he did not understand the universe. He did not understand the source material. To be fair, I, I haven't seen the. Version, so I, don't, I mean, those I don't women are all funny. They're all really funny. I just don't think the story worked. And I think what it was is he, we talked about appropriation, like as if it's something that it's always been yours. Yeah. He doesn't pay that reference. It's almost like plagiarism. He doesn't pay so, that reference to, to the original this, source to material. To throw this right. out here, because I'm just, I'm just feeding this out, right? Like if you are rebooting something like what Paul Feig was doing in 2016, yeah. if you're rebooting, how much reverence do you need to show to the original like the, to, to the original do you need to pay reference or or de like deference to the original characters if you're not using those characters anymore 
But he uses some of the actors, like Bill Murray comes back and Sigourney Weaver comes back, and I but think are Dan they Aykroyd the same comes... characters? No, 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 no. no. The they're not act- the same. No, they're not the same characters. But it's the they're the same actors. They're not the same characters. But it's that in reference joke. Like we're not going to attribute, even though we're very clearly taking the story, we're not going to at all you know attribute to the original story but here here's for those of you who really want one here's a little in-universe wink by using some of this original actors and it's like almost a slap in the face right yeah like he could have said you know he could have done what they did in this movie where it's like hey the thing in 84 happened here let's build off of that and that's exactly what they did in this film and and they make it their own they bring us new characters that we care about so one of the things that that works for me is uh ghostbusters afterlife yeah uh, and doesn't work for me in something similar, I think, because we're making comparisons to Star Wars. Right. 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 I, I I talked about it in um Star Wars Update Five. But one of the things I really did not like about Star Wars stuff nor the character development from the original story. And so the even mm-hmm. though it gives us new stories with these characters or whatever and tries to give us new characters that we can fall in love with alongside other original characters. It does the original character so dirty mm-hmm. in terms of their development and, and really goes back on all of the things that we know and have believed about those characters for however long. Right. And this movie doesn't. This movie gets this the movie original characters it. right. I think that what it does is, well, first off, the smartest decision that I think this movie is giving us brand new characters to deal with in the same kind of universe that we like that we can actually grow alongside the movie and they are not overshadowed at any point in time by the original characters back in yeah so but but too like with the case of star wars like star wars gave us a bunch of brand new characters but then they they were overshadowed i think the problem with the new characters they're overshadowed by returning or the returning cast and and in order i think for us to care more about the new character they give us like or, or they they write off or write out the original characters in a way that's and like not true to what we know of those characters exactly and, and so in order to give us the new characters we're about throw away the old and they stuff. try to make a mystery like but Abrams admitted, like, he didn't know where the trilogy was going when he well, started writing it. that was another it. fucking problem. But he, they tried to make a Abrams mystery a of, like, how these... Story. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely a terrible storyteller. But they didn't know where the characters were, like, how they would be connected to the original cast. And here, uh. in Ghostbusters Afterlife, we know, going like, they don't show us Harold Ramis as Egon Spangler at the beginning. We I, I looked at my wife, because she was there watching it with me, and it's like, that's very clearly supposed to be like an older Egon Spangler. Yeah. Like they kind of hide it from you, but they can't show you because it's Harold Ramis has, has passed away. So they have a stand in actor, but um, it's very clearly that's who that character is supposed to be. Right. So when the family comes in, then they set up these stakes to tie it to one of the original Ghostbusters. So we see that link there. We're given kind of that continuity to care about yeah. these new characters. Right. Well, and I, I think, you know, just throwing this out there, I don't even necessarily need it. To know that we needed that generational Maybe not, but it was nice because to I have. think the characters themselves are interesting enough. I was, you know, like McKenna Grace. She does a phenomenal job. That character Phoebe, I was invested a hundred percent. I thought that so much so better job in that than in Malignant. 
She's in both. Oh, is she really? She's, I she's completely the the blocked out my brain. That, I think she plays the little the the. You're totally right. The bat- she plays the young, um, the young, young version, version of, the, of, of uh, whatever the character Annabelle name. Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the actress. And for those of you who might know the name but don't necessarily know what she's been in, she was also in The Haunting of Hill House yeah. um, on Netflix. I think she's a young oh, actor that you should put on your radar. She sings that song she's, at the end during the credits. What was her name? Oh, yeah. The, McKenna Grace. The, McKenna Grace. Yeah. The the Ghosts in This House yeah. or whatever that song yeah. is. Um, I, I could have used a little bit more Paul Rudd movie. Yeah. But I just Greg feel like Gruberson. Every, yeah, Grant Gruberson. <laughs> they get, they get a, some good jokes out of that. His um, name is Greg Gruberson. I um, feel like, but I feel like all of these characters really work in their own right. I, feel I like, could have used some more Olivia Wilde. Uh, as I could use more Olivia Wilde. I, you want to talk about? It's not obsession. the first time I've heard someone say that. Like, I am so <laughs> obsessed with Olivia Wilde. So <laughs> obsessed with her. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I kept making jokes. Like I made one on on Twitter. Like, <laughs> Gozer, trying to resurrect. Who was also in the first movie, right? Um, not I'm, played I'm by just, Olivia Wilde in the first I, movie. Yeah, <laughs> anytime I watch a movie and and it's like I want to resurrect this ancient god or something, I'm like, but why? <laughs> why do you want to do that? Chaos. Like, is your yeah, is your life really so shitty that you you yeah. really think that's gonna work? Um, but then they they show up and and Gozer is played by Olivia Wilde, and I was like, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would be in that cult. For sure. I love I love that when the Ghostbusters, the original, do come in and and that's the big fight scene at the end. And she looks at him and says, you know, are you a god like from the first one? And Ray, like Dan Aykroyd's going um, and Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson just look at him like, you got to be kidding me. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We're gods. (laughs) Like, I a, think she remembers us. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it we just spoiled the whole movie. I don't give a I, shit. I love that what? movie. Don't and listen to this until you watch see, the movie. If you're gonna go see Ghostbusters Afterlife, actually, we won't have spoiled it because like by the time this comes out, it'll be a few weeks old. Wait, and, yeah. so is Gozer the one who uh, kidnaps the baby in that in the? No, that's the sequel. That's some Carpathian yeah, wizard the, the guy, guy. Which but that also is like Gozer canon. is the one that that uh, lives in the freezer, right? Or the freezer? Oh, when, okay. When the gate, they're you know the gatekeeper is trying to get. to master yeah they, yeah they uh resurrect gozer uh the character designs are like really cohesive so i mix them up with yeah the, yeah I, yeah you know because yeah. i'm looking I mean, at olivia wilde even is, the, the, yeah even the style looks really really yeah, good, they did a good job. Um, yeah, I, mean, I really kind of want to see it now. she looks a whole lot like the old gozer yeah. soon, but also she looks like olivia wilde as soon as i saw her it was like oh like I thought she, I didn't realize it was Olivia Wilde. I'll admit that. Like I didn't. I, I knew I it didn't. the moment I saw her. I, I wouldn't. Like, oh, have, no, I wouldn't have known either. I, maybe it's just because I'm obsessed with Olivia Wilde. I've, yeah. I've never seen her look uh, undesirable. So both Olivia yeah, Wilde so and weird. Rebecca Ferguson are going to be getting those restraining uh, orders know, on two thirds of Slay House. Them and, and uh, what's her face? Uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, well, and I was like all talking up Salma Hayek, who's still gorgeous to this day. So it's like, you oh know, yeah, sure, we're all going to jail. I don't think I'm as obsessed as Salma Hayek as Ali. Dude, person. watch from dust till dawn. I, I like, I was, I've seen it. I, I know what you're talking. About. Yeah. No, for me, Jennifer Connelly <laughs> from and Dust Till Dawn. It, my, my formative moment was uh, <laughs> the Rocketeer. You didn't she, like from Dust Till Dawn. The Rocketeer. Oh yeah, the, I love uh, the Rocketeer. No, I liked. No, I liked it. It was just. It was like, insane. I felt like I was having a weird fever dream the whole time. Oh yeah, that, that's what I loved about it. Though. Quentin Tarantino's character was like, 
disgusting. Oh, he was. Oh, yeah. We're talking terrible. about the same movie, right? Yeah, we're. T- okay. Yeah, <laughs> bank, it starts <laughs> out as like this crime spree, bank ro- bank robbers thing, and then yeah, it turns into yeah. them going to a strip club in Mexico with vampires. The whole th- the yeah. whole yeah. thing was so damn so high bizarre. It, yeah. And she's a, a dance. Yeah. She, oh man. That. Okay. Uh, anyway. But we're talking about <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm just. I'm. I'm saying like, I don't know. Olivia Wilde for me. I love this freaking movie. I thought this yeah. movie was great. I thought Finn Wolford was was great in this film. I thought I'm not seeing yeah. Carrie Coon in a we lot of share stuff. A, we share a name. Uh, the character. Yeah. He's well, a Trevor. Yeah. He's a Trevor. The first Trevor that I in a a film. I've seen Trevor pop up like all over the I've, place. I've seen him like the name crop up in a couple of films, but he's always like I don't know. I'm seeing it on TV dork. a lot too. I'm seeing a like lot of Trevor. He's never like a really good character, and now <laughs> I feel like I finally found it's like that Star my Trek cultural... episode, The Trouble with Trevors. The Trouble yeah. with Trevors. <laughs> we, uh, that would be. I hey, just Photoshop me over all of the triples in that movie. That'd if Harold Ramis were still alive, how do you think they would have? What, what do you think this movie would have done so with that? This is where this is a really interesting ethical question, yeah. right? Which is like, what do you do with a dead actor, right? Or actress, like you know, you can pay homage without their... making it seem cheesy and exactly. And, and, and I think and, they did. I think they respected him. Cool, but I mean, very cynically too. Like, like there is this feeling that if you digitize someone after they're dead, mm-hmm. you know, like is that not you just using their dead, like? capitalizing on their dead likeness you know, for more money it i right. like i understand the ethics there because it's like even as an actor you can't even necessarily have autonomy you know over like your acting career surely reitman because they're just gonna resurrect from... you well moving moving forward that might be a thing that the actors figure out before they die, because it's going to be like a common thing that after an yeah, actor dies, you digitize them and you use AI to Hopefully, Wright went and like talked them. to the family and was like, "Here's my well, family. so yeah. so from what I hear, from something. what I hear, like like on most accounts, they're like Harold Ramis would probably have been very proud, of him. right? Yeah. And like like his like being involved, like after death in a movie like Ghostbusters, you know, and, and so. This was his and Dan Aykroyd's brainchild. I mean, they yeah, were they were to, very to that extent. I feel like, like, the the there is a lot of homage here. Yeah. You know, it's right. done very lovingly, and I don't think that it's done necessarily for like a very cynical. No, I, right. You know, I didn't feel like this was just a money maker. Like, let's use this and yeah. Right. Like, I'm more cynical but, about the use of the original characters in the Abrams Star Wars films than. Yeah. Oh, here. yeah. No, I here like when like at the very end, it gave the three guys a chance as their characters on screen to say that that public goodbye uh, to not just Egon Spangler, but to Ramis himself. I right. felt like, and I was tearing up. I was like, when they showed like the image of him helping his granddaughter hold the thing, and it, it, uh, it was the like it's pack. definitely played for for like for I'm, sure, and it works, man. It works. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I can. I can see myself falling on either side of this argument where I'm yeah. like, you know, like, like actors should be able to their autonomy after death and like resurrecting them for whatever your weirdo pet project is, is real fucking creepy to me. You right. know, yeah. like yeah. Carrie Fisher in Star Wars, like, you know, cause she died before she concluded filming that I last Star Wars died. movie. Yeah. I yeah. forgot she died. Yeah, Holy man. Cow. Yeah. Um, and but then she's in the movie, she's digitized. <laughs> Paul Walker did the same thing to him in the Fast and Furious. I didn't movie. like yeah. that. No, 
Of course, there's nothing very tasteful about any of those movies in the first place. No. And there's also some weird, you know, like in the, again, going back to Star Wars, like. um, 50 years from now, let's study our film school. Let's watch The Fast and the Furious. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, (laughs) Peter Cushing shows up in in Rogue One, right? Like they, they digitize Peter Cushing and his likeness to. And DH Carrie Fisher in that too. And yeah, and they well, yeah, and they present but the same thing. There, I can understand. I mean, they they they're providing a continuity to the the original films, and they're right. And and that, and then there's another question. It, it's like you know, just because that actor portrayed that character, is not the character separate from the actor, right? As as a fictional entity. And then you have to ask, you know, question weird questions like. In the depiction of that character, you know, is is that character the likeness that that you're depicting, or is it, you know, Peter Cushing? I I think it gets weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and again, you know, I just I think that ethically there there are some weird boundaries <laughs> dealing with 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 regard to. There are, but I do feel like like the what they do with Harold Ramis and Ghostbusters Afterlife is right on target. Like I feel sure. like I, I feel like that was great, I, terrifically nice. handled. That's I think good to was, know. And I felt like everything was now. done very yes. reverentially. Yes. I felt like like this movie really does look back at the spirit of original two and mm-hmm. was like, let's have fun with this. Let's like renovate this old house for a newer audience. Speaking to the, the metaphorically the, the kind of and the after credit scenes. Oh yeah. Which <gasps> I had to warn. I had to text Trevor and tell him that there were two after. I didn't know if you might have known that already, but I. Just, I always stay to the end of. Like yeah, yeah, there are two after credit scenes. It's like they list like the characters, and it's like Anne Sigourney Weaver, and she hadn't been in yeah, any part like, of the when, film, and it's like wait, where's Sigourney movie? Weaver? And then the, and she shows the up. first after credit scene pops up, and it's it's her doing the uh, the the psychic cards like Peter Vinkman's doing in the first one, where he, he's like, "I never shocked the girls. I always shocked because he was hitting on the girls." Oh, okay. So he's like holding out the cards, like, "What is this?" And Jeez. and like, like, so she's like doing it now, and he's hooked up to the the electrodes. <laughs> oh, nice. And she's like, "You probably marked these, didn't you?" And he's like, "No, no." And she shocks him, and he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so a, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I I I feel like again as as trying to reinvent. Ghostbusters. This movie serves as, I mean, soft reboot. It kind of feels a little bit reiterative because it borrows so many story beats from the first movie. Yeah. And if you know that movie really, really well, like, like, well, they just kind of did this. Right. But I felt like that's part of the fun. Yeah. Part of the spirit. And I think it's part of the reintroduction of Ghostbusters with this little renovation to look still make fun for a lot of viewers and hopefully launch a franchise like i'm i'm kind of angry that it took us 40 fucking years or whatever yeah you know almost to get another but i mean right winston zettimore is now rich he's opened up the the uh the house again they've got the ecto-1 back i mean you know they're setting up a a franchise for this like they're they're doing this oh like, i know they're they're saying dana franchise. barrett's son oscar was nowhere in this i mean he could totally be like yeah. the new i was he'd be 30 something years old now that's not depressing that, enough uh, what's what's his face and in this movie? 
Oh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Maybe he oh, could be. But I, I mean, haven't seen Rick Moranis in. Well, he stopped acting, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think his think, wife died, didn't she? Yeah, I think, and he like, I think stopped he's to raise been doing his kids. Some, I think he's been doing some acting. Paul Rudd kind of takes the Rick Moranis role in this. Rudd is fun. I, it needed more Paul Rudd, but <laughs> I also hope Every, that they. Everything needs more Paul Rudd. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> even kidding? movies with Paul Rudd, I would like more Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I feel like. Celery Give man. Him, yeah, celery, more celery man. Now Tane, I can get into. Show me a printout of Oyster it. smiling. You guys, you guys <laughs> warped my brain wobble. showing me that video. Like, that I destroyed love it. me. I love it. Yeah, me. Google celery man. Yeah, Paul Rudd. And uh, can you the... kick up the 3D, 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 3? <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's calling. It's an emergency. Tell her I call her back. <laughs> we got important work to we do. We got more work to do. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. He so was so funny. awesome. This whole, I mean, this movie was an A plus. Like, of all the of all the movies on our list, I feel like this is the A plus movie. Like, this is probably the only A movie for me on this list. Uh, for me, I mean, Dune. I was a slam dunk. Yeah. I really, really loved Dune. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, in a year of of like struggling to find the right movie, uh, I feel like Ghostbusters Afterlife was the first one. That, yeah. that I walked away from being like really like all right. I feel like there's momentum here. Nice movies. Movies can back. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. That is our movie review for the fall of 2021. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing more movies because you know if we're not reading books, we're watching movies. <laughs> um, so we're probably we're definitely going to be doing a new uh, movie review coming the new year. Um, and with our next season, we've got uh, still some good episodes coming out. We've got a great interview coming up with one of our Slayhouse people, fellow author, Karen Huff. We have a four-part series on Dracula. We have some year-end review stuff that we're looking at. Oh. We've got our anthology that we're working on that Christmas, should be out. Christmas um, special on the way. Christmas special on the way. We have StokerCon coming up. We're going to be at StokerCon. We, uh, this is just the beginning for Slayhouse. We want to thank our producers. Um Curtis and Les at Wayne Howard Studios. And definitely and Curtis, welcome Curtis as a permanent member. And welcome Curtis again as our permanent third host. I'm glad to be here. It feels comfortable. It does. It does. Yeah. It's, <laughs> nice Settling to, in. it's really nice to have that that third voice yeah. here. And I, I love the energy that we, we've got going. Um, so this is just the beginning, folks. This is this is just not the beginning of this episode. This is the end of this episode. This is just the beginning of what Slayhouse <laughs> is going to do, though. It is only the beginning. <laughs> we've only just begun. Um, all right, I'm done. No, 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 no. keep singing, keep singing. I love Shut the carpenters. It down. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> all right, everyone, have a good one.